Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. That uh, last episode with Penelope was kind of awesome. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to see the world is appreciating it too. Mm-hmm. I need to listen back to it and take notes. I, I jotted a few things down while we were recording, but there's just so much in there. Same, actually. Yeah, I was, I was trying not to take notes just to focus. Um, but yeah, I want to just do it again and, and digest more. Also, I, I sent her an email and was like, I thought of a million extra questions <laughs> as soon as we stopped recording. Maybe do a part two sometime. So we'll see. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Um, yeah. In retrospect, I wish I had prepped even more because there were, I think there were other interesting questions that I, I didn't, that didn't get there that I wish I had. Hmm. Hmm. But that's all right. Still, still good. Yeah. Still an, an hour's worth of uh, jam-packed, high-value totally. <laughs> conversation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I'm wearing a continuous glucose monitor right now. Why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the tech bro evolution. Okay. Okay. You start a software company, you get a Tesla, you install yeah. a continuous glucose monitor, you wear an aura <laughs> ring. It's just like the things that you do. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. For a couple of reasons. So this is just like, it's just a thing that tells you how much glucose is in your blood. Like how much, you know, quote unquote sugar is there. People normally do this because they have like diabetes and they're sort of managing their, their condition. But more and more people have started doing this earlier without a diagnosis because, well, one, having low glucose levels is associated with better health outcomes in general. Like it's kind of actually just good to have lower glucose levels and like smaller swings. But also it turns out a huge amount of people are pre-diabetic. Some estimates say it's, it's maybe like a third of Americans are pre-diabetic, meaning like if they keep on the path that they're on, they could end up with, with diabetes. And also in my family, we have a bit of a history of a little bit of diabetes and also um, elevated glucose. So it, it seems worth doing prophylactically. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, you seem to lead a decently healthy lifestyle right so i mean is there anything there's something specific that like made you feel like oh, i've been feeling off so therefore i should monitor this or is it more just like to get ahead of potential like something sneaking up on you um it's mostly to get ahead of it years ago i had a blood test and my glucose was a bit high so i was like oh let me i'd like to check in on that again and see where i'm at and also like i kind of have a sweet tooth so i eat quite healthy most of the time but then we'll like grab some chocolate or like eat something i shouldn't and so and i am like fairly lean right now but it's like okay am i you can you can like look fit but still get diabetes like it happens so i wanted to kind of say like am i getting away with this or do i need to make some dietary changes <laughs> and are there some results in are you getting away with it or do you need to make some dietary changes <laughs> i'm it's it's tbd like so that they say the sensor gets more accurate over the first few days and I don't have a lot of data yet, but so far I'm, I'm actually a bit higher than I should be. Uh, not like in like super worrying territory. Like I'm in the, so far my numbers have been in the, like your doctor would tell you you're fine, but the longevity health extension type people would tell you you should be lower. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. The, the most interesting part right now is trying different meals and then watching what happens to my glucose after. So I'm using this company called Levels, and they basically built a, a fancy app on top of the, the crappy uh, medically approved app. Yep. <laughs> and so you take pictures of what you're eating, and then it 
tracks the glucose response afterwards and then tells you like it gives you a score it's like okay that meal was a, a two out of ten um, based on how much your glucose went up and how long it stayed up i haven't done the glucose tracking obviously but i've i've like done like the bod pod measurements like the body fat ratio measurement and then like done a certain stint of like exercises and tracked what i'm eating and tracked protein levels and like that kind of stuff yeah it can be it can be interesting to play with for a while i've had hard a hard time like sticking to any kind of rigorous tracking on on those fronts but like yeah body hacking is just kind of a fascinating discipline totally i mean i think what i'm going to do is probably wear this for like a like a month or so the pitch is basically people respond to different foods differently uh, so so people will spike for different reasons based on your biology so i want to figure out like okay which things are like really do i really need to stay away from um, which ones are good just have that knowledge and probably stop tracking mm-hmm. that's good that seems like a reasonable thing to do yeah so it's but it, it's also just it's really fun i love getting random body data i think it's yeah like, <laughs> it's, it's just like very appealing to the to the nerd in me yep yep so someone just sent me a signed offer back for uh, our sales position Ooh, nice congratulations thank you it's actually going to be sort of a hybrid of like sales and success I'm pretty psyched about this. This actually, this was a person. So I, I, I tweeted about like possibly hiring a chief of staff and this person responded uh, about that. And then as we talked, I was like, hmm, you actually might be really good at this other thing I'm trying to hire for. We both sort of got excited and then did some more interviewing and made an offer and he accepted. Nice. That's great. Yeah. So so did, is this turning into more of like a generalist role, like wearing wearing multiple hats as opposed to like super yes. hyper-focused on sales? Yeah. Yes, exactly this person has success experience. So, so we've seen good results with doing success work, like reaching out to trials and kind of giving them a little bit more attention. We have a decent amount of sales work, but not a huge amount. Marrying those two together made, made sense to me. It is a huge relief to not be looking for this position. anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been, been a while. kind of a rough, a rough few months. Yeah. Yeah. And also this person seems kind of awesome. So, I think it's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Is this going to help you on your chief of staff front or is kind of that's not ultimately not going to be helping on that front? Then? I think I think no, I think not. Okay. I think this yeah. will be sales and success will be their their focus. I think if I do hire a chief of staff, it's going to be somebody in person. So and this person does not want to re- relocate. So I, I think he would be would have been good at that, too. But yeah, for, for that particular role, I, I think it's just got to be in the office. What are the kind of the you see as like the customer success demands being put on your team right now? Is it that is it primarily like demos like companies want to want some handholding to learn about the product before they commit to it? Or like what, what are you seeing as the, the need there? Um, the success I'm thinking of is actually, well, there's a little bit of like onboarding for larger teams when they purchase a, a large subscription, like making sure they get their SSO set up if they want that. Um, helping with the rollout. Sometimes they run into random bugs. But the success I'm thinking of is more um, reaching out to self-serve trials and just making sure like we don't lose them for stupid reasons. I think I told you like when we, when we tried this, we saw a pretty strong lift in conversions uh, of the teams that we had actually reached out to. And it was all just a bunch of, you know, little, little nudges. Like we never, we didn't do demos with anyone. We, but we like 
someone will be like, oh, like, well, I've got you. I just have a question about this. Or maybe it was just, maybe it was just a reminder um, of, of a human reaching out. But like it, it, it worked. That makes me wonder whether I should play around with that a little bit because I think my support guy has a little bit of like extra time right now. I'm trying to figure out how to utilize him well. And it's like I have some little like research projects that I've been thinking about, like just kind of running through the customer list or the, anyone who's signed up and figure out what industry they're in, what role they have, like try to get a, a lay of the land for like demographic data. But it's like to me, that seems it's interesting, but it like doesn't feel like super high value. And I've just been wondering in my head, like, how can, what can I deputize him to do? That's that's pretty high value. And that seems like kind of making contact, making human contact with customers wouldn't be a terrible thing <laughs> like it could it could only help you know i agree i think that would be worth doing so in the early days of tuple we like talked to everybody a lot because there were so few people and then the numbers started going up and there was just too many people to kind of interact with regularly and we were intentionally trying to build a mostly self-serve kind of business so now that we have this self-serve engine running it's clear to me there are just tons of leaks in it so there are people falling through the cracks who we could save. Um, and, it, and in a bunch of places like uh, involuntary churn because of credit cards and like, oh, the wrong billing email was on the account. So they didn't get the notifications and then we turn it off and no one followed up with them. And we had a fairly large team where this just happened to. There's like 50 people and like their credit card stopped working and we were sending emails to the, oh, the team owner, but that person had left the company. I reached out to somebody else on the team being like what's going on? And they're like, oh, we had no idea. It's like, ah, okay. And then, yeah, like lots of sort of just marginal situations that come up during trials. I'm like, oh, like we just haven't got a chance to use it. Can, can we have an extra week? Yeah, of course, no problem. Um, and then they end up converting. This dream of the fully automated thing, pretty great. I mean, it's, it's nice, but I'm, start, I'm just seeing more and more places to sort of plug a little bit of human intelligence in there to make it the, the engine run even better. Yeah, I think I, I have similar aspirations where I want it I don't want there to be a lot of required handholding for someone to get onto the product and using it. Like that should be, if someone wants to go completely alone on that, like it should be totally possible and doable. But yeah, it like seems like it can only, I don't know, making, making human contact, get like letting someone know like, Hey, I'm here to help. It's funny. Even like, um, this is a small thing that my support guy has been doing that I really like, like at the end of an interaction, he'll ask the question of like, is there anything else I can help you with? And I love that question. For me, I was always, I mean, selfishly, I was like, I, I want to answer the question, make sure the customer's happy. But then like, it was hard for me to like invite potentially more work <laughs> onto my plate. Sure. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was just, it was just like, I want to, I want to be able to check these things off the queue because I have so many things on my plate. And it's like, no, but this is a person whose job is to be helpful and interact with customers. And so, of course, that's a natural thing of like, what else can I help you with? And uh, even just that little change, I think, is probably going to, in the long run, yield good results. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. It's like, uh, can I get you anything else at Starbucks? It's like, yeah. actually. Yep. <laughs> sure. I'll take a whatever. Mm-hmm. This is more on the sales side than the success side. But one of the things that I, I want this person to be doing is looking at our current customer base and looking for opportunities for expansion in there. There's just, there's just lots, of, lots of examples of us with you know, small numbers of developers from much larger pools. Who knows what the, 
what kind of nudge or, tr- or question or whatever will cause more expansion. Maybe none of them. Maybe it won't work. My hunch is that at the margins, there's plenty of additional business that we could get by doing the right kind of thing there. Making the engine more efficient appeals to me a lot. Like making more of what we have already. Convert more of the existing trials. Prevent more churn. Cause more expansion. The, the optimizer in me is, is pleased by that. A little bit more than the like, okay, how do we get even more trials into this, this system that's not that efficient? I mean, let's, let's do both, sure. But I'm glad we're investing more in this, this latter one. Or in the efficient one, whatever I said. I can't remember the order. To that point, like, I know for a while you were wanting to like improve, improve onboarding, which is part that was partially like designer in the purview of a designer, but also like kind of just, just making the product um, better in a lot of ways and ramping people up. Like, where is that? What's the status of that type of work? So we did ship a big improvement on like app onboarding, like what it takes to actually install the app and give it permissions and all that. Uh, And I think that was good. Although, uh, hilariously, it turned out that the funnel report I was looking at that showed a huge drop-off there was incorrect. <laughs> Whoops. So we had the analytics just not quite wired up correctly. And so it you know, looked like there was this big problem. And then once we got it correct, I was like, oh, actually, that's kind of fine. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. So, you know, still positive. Uh, it's a better, better experience, but it's tricky to get those things right. There's still more good onboarding work to do, I would say. There's a lot of random little holes or edge cases or, or, or tricky things in our onboarding for sure. Yeah, I just set up a new Mac. I like transferred everything over, so pretty much everything was, was in place. But the permission stuff was upgraded on Big Sur, I think, right? So like, I still don't know if I can screen share through Zoom right now. I don't think I can. I don't think I've figured out what brand, what correct permission to toggle on. And so I did have to do like a little bit with Tuple and with just other tools that require like the the control, remote control of your computer or whatever they call it. It's insane the the like the things that macOS makes you do. Like you have to open this thing and then it's like this weird looking panel without the right prompt and you just have to check the right box. Like yep. oof. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I, I'm hoping that they I hope there's a, some some improvements there. Like like even just being able to request everything all at once and like have an approved deny thing would be so nice. Yeah, like an OAuth, you know box like what it's pretty yeah. standard on like approving permission scopes for web apps totally. to talk to each other you know totally yeah yep that would be lovely it feels like it's intentionally difficult like they're trying to just add friction to obscure away that you know so people are like um, discouraged from like allowing things to have access to stuff yeah i sort of understand some of that mentality of like if you just make it another uh, pop-up then people are just going to click yes to like as quickly as possible to get what they want so i sort of get that but uh the, the current thing does not feel so good it's pretty bad and like there's just there's not even like great affordances for like like open this to the right panel in the permissions thing with my app you know highlighted or something like even even if you're going to keep it like kind of trickier and make people be more uh, thoughtful about it let's at least make it sort of pleasant or you know i don't know yeah yeah we'll see yep so yes hiring is going well i have another we have another like hiring thing that seems promising that is too early to talk about but there are machinations happening behind the scenes 
perhaps going on a, a little bit of a hiring spree. We're understaffed, I would say, for what we're trying to do and we can afford more people. And so we're we're swapping some profit for people. Got it. Would you say that you are hiring to to spread existing work out better or are you hiring to like move faster to like to like take on new initiatives? Both. Both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like the sales thing was like I was doing it. And so that's, you know, spreading it. But then the success thing, no one was doing it. So that's new. We want to hire a senior Linux developer, like Linux systems engineer. And I haven't written the job description for this yet. But by the way, if you're listening and that's you and you want to help us build the Tuple Linux client, which is going to be like a native JTK app over the C++ engine, uh, you should email me for sure. So like that is like, okay, we're doing a new thing. Spencer's doing all of it. We should spread some of this out. Um, and we should have like, eventually the, the goal is that Spencer is kind of getting the prototype going, but he's not going to, he, he's not going to own the app forever. So we're looking for someone to own the app. Um, so I think for the right person, that sounds exciting. So ho- hopefully someone listening or is excited by that or knows someone I would, I would really appreciate referrals. Just Ben at tuple.app. Please let me know. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a little bit all over the board. We're doing more and spreading out more. Nice. Yeah. I, that was one of my favorite questions that came up in one of our recent interviews. I can't remember who said it, but like, maybe it was Shreyas. It was like, are you hiring to like move faster or, or like delegate responsibility? And that's something that is like top of mind for me. Like when I'm, when I'm thinking about adding to my team, uh, what am I trying to actually do? Am I trying to delegate my own responsibility or just add someone next to me who can help me move even faster? Mm, yeah. Which way are you leading? I think it's probably like try to try to maintain pace while I'm getting them ramped up, which is going to be that's tricky enough. Like you usually take a productivity hit when you're onboarding someone new, you know, so like try to not like lose all my velocity. And so move at least status quo for a while. And then ultimately, I think my my plan is to, well, first delegate some of my core responsibilities to them, but then add to the team to move faster. Like I want to I want to tackle both. But I think the first first order of business is to offload i think which parts do you want to offload i think it's just a chunk of like just general product development like being able to being able to work on things that i've identified as high priority that i am currently blocked on that 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 i am a blocker for because i am deciding to work on marketing this week or something you know like so i think it's just it's just sort of like the the broad set of my responsibilities. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to find someone full stack enough to to really do all of that. So I might be for a while like a like the designer on it, and maybe they're just back end, like probably skewed towards back end to start with. If I have to skew, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm getting someone full stack, but they're predominantly like a back end engineer, I'm willing to accept that. You know, mm-hmm. um, do you so. have a job description posted somewhere? I don't know. Okay. I've still, I've still been like just waiting for the right time to, to invest in that. And I know I've been talking about it for a while, but I'm, what makes yeah. you feel like the right time is not now because I'm shipping so fast right now. Yeah, and, you really are. <laughs> and I just want to keep that rolling. Like it's finding the time when I want to, when I'm willing to like take that velocity hit because it'll be distracting to, craft a job description and promote it and interview and do that whole 
that whole process. And I'm just feeling like I'm on a shipping spree right now and I want to keep that going for a while longer. Totally. Yeah. If you feel like you're getting enough new customers, like you're getting enough signups and trials and people are converting because you've got Corey and those, those things, then yeah, I mean, I'd, I would, I'd keep doing what you're doing for now. I yeah. Think. It does feel like I have offloaded the things like I've, I've done a pretty good job so far of like, all right, Corey's using his brain on marketing so I can, I don't have to think as much about that. And he's pushing initiatives forward and on the support front, getting like tier one, at least covered, like these feel like good optimizations so far and they have enabled me to just keep like aggressively building product stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. I think I'm going to keep rolling with this for a little while longer and just wait for some other, <laughs> some other thing to come on our radar of like to, to push me, to nudge me closer to, uh, to getting, getting additional help. I like it. That's that sounds good to me. What else is going on in your world? Um, so yeah, I mean on, on the product front, like lots of stuff shipped. I just shipped a, our native Zapier integration, which I'm pretty stoked about. It's been, it's been in the works. Like you, you could technically get Savvy Cal to talk to Zapier using like the Zapier webhooks trigger type. And so it was like technically possible, but it was sort of cumbersome and like, didn't like it was a little bit, you know, error prone if you didn't have everything dialed in just, just right. So yeah, I've been wanting to get the native Zapier integration done first and foremost to make it a better experience for customers and also to get kind of the ball rolling on um, being officially listed in the Zapier marketplace and potential like promotion opportunities for that. So that feels good. I mean, it's a whole process, you know, you, you release your like invite only version and you get X number of people using it. And then once it crosses a certain threshold, then you can sort of apply to have it included in the app directory. So, but that feels good. Like, and I actually, I've built a number of Zapier integrations over the years. And this is the first time that I went the like CLI route. So you've normally built it in their like their builder in the browser and you inject like little pieces of code, like little pieces of JavaScript code where needed. Like if you need to write a little bit of custom code to make an API call and, and parse the response in a certain way, you could in their like visual builder thing, inject a little bit of JavaScript. But this time around, I just went full eject it into a code base and you just get like this little like Node.js code base where you can write your whole integration in code and you can write tests for it. This would have been really hard to do if I didn't have any knowledge of Zapier integrations, but I've like, I'm familiar enough with their terminology and their concepts that I went this route and then looked, looked at the code base and I was like, I think I actually understand what's going on here. And like, now it's going to be way easier to maintain because to add new trigger types, I can just like copy existing triggers and tweak them slightly and write some additional tests for them and it's done. So this is probably the fastest that I've knocked out a Zapier integration by going uh, kind of the full code route. Nice. Yeah. I mean, in general, from the outside, it seems like you're shipping stuff really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like your, your tweets and your newsletters are just like packed full of like additional stuff. And every time I'm mad that you didn't let me invest in this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that feels like the right unfair advantage to be trying to exploit as much as possible right now. Got some other, other cool ones shipped like um, scheduled time zone changes. So this is like I didn't really have a good good answer to this for a while. Like, hey, I'm going to be in, you know, on Pacific time for a week uh, next week. How do I update my links to like reflect that? 
it's I think it's like pretty janky. Like you could do it in in other tools. You would have to like do manual overrides on each of those days. And it was like not great. And you could kind of do something similar in Savvy Cal, but it was definitely not optimal. So this this one um, this one felt really good. And like people are really, I think, impressed with the implementation. It's very simple. It's just like from this date to this date, I'm going to be in this time zone. And then all your links automatically shift. It's pretty magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I could I could see myself using that for sure. Yeah, especially now that travel is more of a thing. People are people are moving around a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, one other one other one to note is like trying to get more serious about like accessibility features, which is it's so tricky because there's no there's no great way great way to know like just how accessible your product is. Like it's kind of best effort. Like you you can use some tooling to inspect like do you have the right uh, attributes, the right ARIA things on your, in your markup that help guide assistive technologies. But really it's like, to me, it's been this, this felt like a black box. Like I didn't even really know where to start on this, on tackling this, but I did know that like our booking page at the very minimum needs to be like keyboard navigatable and therefore like usable by screen readers and, and technology like that reached out to our, our buddy, Adam. <laughs> I was like, Hey, I know you've had to deal with a lot of this stuff. He put me in touch with, with one of their team members who focuses a lot on this. And I spent like half an hour with him and it was super helpful. Like <laughs> He just like pulled it up, looked at the markup. He was like, yeah, I think you have some low hanging fruit here. You can do this, this, and this. And then this is probably where I would think about. So I basically, the biggest thing I had to do was add like these drop downs that include a list of time slots that is an alternative to like using just the mouse to click on the like calendar visual interface. I've tackled that and it only took a couple of days, but um, I feel pretty happy with the, with how it turned out. So that feels really good too. Like it's, and, and kind of noticed that this improvement not only makes it better for, you know, people who are using assistive technology, but it's just better overall for, for all users, like having another way to like, you can just click on the heading on a day and see a list of slots. Like that's a good, that's a nice improvement for all users of the interface. So Hmm. nice. Yeah. I'll have to try that. Yeah. Gonna check it out. Hmm. So what is your biggest, uh, your most requested thing right now that you don't have yet? There's a long tail of things, but I would say the biggest one is, um, iCloud integration. (laughs) A lot of people use, you know, their Apple calendar for their personal stuff. And they want that reflected on their, you know, checking for conflicts on their links. So that one is, it's like figure out where to slot in one of these big initiatives, potentially to the detriment of the lots of smaller things that have been, um, that are on my plate. And I've just tried, I've been trying to figure out the right time to do that. But what I've been telling people is like, my plan is to knock it out this summer. So I basically have, you know, six more weeks ish to get that done. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like this being the cadence you're on where you keep shipping lots of small things seems really good to me. Like I have to met like as a customer, it's like, Oh, Derek is just constantly making new stuff. And like, if I'm unhappy for some reason, I I can, I feel confident that he's going to fix this thing that maybe has more of an impact than the occasional larger thing. I guess you need both. Yep. But yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just do both. <laughs> I know. Realistically, like if I had another engineer, I would potentially say like, okay, you're work- going to work on iCloud and it's going to take a little while. And then I probably wouldn't, 
I wouldn't be spending my entire day just doing quote unquote businessy things. I would be, probably have some time right now at our stage to like also work on features. So potentially could get a little parallelism going if I had more help. That's, that's maybe a, a, um, one check in the column of like, try to get someone, someone on board. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, also, like as someone who has raised money that is presumably kind of mostly in the bank still, it seems like that could just be a thing you deploy it towards. Yep. Yep. Totally good. Versus earning, I don't know, no interest on your mm-hmm. cash. Mm-hmm. This is true. This is rational. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're coming up on the one year anniversary of my first paying customer. Really? Yes. I think it was wow, really that fat jeez <laughs> i know i know i, I think it like was you've been launched for like three months ah that's <laughs> funny yeah no it definitely yeah i'm surprised like the, the year went really fast um i think it was july 27th when like i s- billed the first first subscription yeah is it wasn't an annual payment uh, <laughs> um i don't think actually i should check i don't know I don't know. Yeah, do, you, do you have do you have annual renewals that are going to eventually hit? Are you building anyone annually? I forget. Oh yes, yes, quite okay. a few. Yeah. So every month we. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Send yeah. the product updates email and kind of the top call to action is save two months on your subscription and. Oh man, why am I not doing that? Yeah, you should. It probably brings in. Let's see. It probably increases our cash flow through the door by about thirty percent each month. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> There's so many things. There's so many things. Jerk. There are so many things. <laughs> There's so many little tricks and levers and techniques that you should be doing or could be doing. I know. Well, and to that to that end, I actually so I this has been a really good like week, week and a half of shipping things. But the week before that, I reached a point where I felt a little bit paralyzed by like I've got so many things on my plate that I want to that I want to get done and like I reached the point where it's just like I couldn't bring myself to really dive headfirst into any of them because I felt like they were all so high priority and I felt a little bit paralyzed by that which I somehow broke through it I think a mental hack that I've been playing with myself for a while is like pick one just just one main thing that I want to get done today and then drive towards it and that has been really effective for these smaller tasks because i'll just pick off a small one and be like you know what it doesn't matter they're all high priority this is the next one on the stack and i'm going to build it and i want to get it done today and i think i can do that and then i drive towards it and get all the dopamine that comes from doing it and repeat <laughs> so that's been working for me <laughs> nice but, like uh, the, it's like the single the single item yep to do less yep. i guess the one thing thing yep yeah yeah like that. yeah that sounds good I've been trying to make decisions faster. So I'm, I think I'm, I'm like a ruminator. I sometimes feel anxiety post making a decision because I'm like, oh, I've, I've closed myself down to the possibility of the other thing. And I hate that feeling of loss. Uh, and I've been trying to kind of fight that in my head and just go, yeah, just decide a thing and then move on and come back and fix it if you have to. Right. That's, that's good. Founders need that. <laughs> mm. Annual upgrade. I like that. In all your product updates. Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously <laughs> <laughs> it feels like there should just be a collection of these maybe there is i guess these are just like growth growth hacks man surely growthhacks.com has a whole collection of these <laughs> mm-hmm. someone's cataloged these 
Yeah. But it's it's surprising to me how often I'll just hear a good idea and be like, oh yeah, why aren't we doing this? This seems extremely clear in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just like there's so many places to tune the engine. It's crazy. It's like, I mean, this is what's cool about it. It's like the world's most complex but interesting and rewarding strategy game. Yeah, exactly. I know. And almost viewing it as a game is can be helpful in from a mindset perspective, right? I feel like if you like German style complex resource management board games, you should probably start a company. Settlers of Catan or something. <laughs> yep. 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 So I have a, a Spanish lesson in a couple hours. Oh, do you? Oh. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to Founder Summit in October, and uh, it's in uh, Mexico City. My Spanish has been decent in the past, but is you know I've has been basically totally unused for a couple of years now. And so I want to knock the rust off and, and get back to sort of passable so I can get myself around. Nice. Very yeah. cool. I'm very nervous, which yeah? is funny. <laughs> yeah. I feel very intimidated, which is huh. hilarious because like I'm paying this, you know, like highly rated, kind, friendly person who probably works with like beginners who are, you know, like who works with like total beginners who can't speak a word of Spanish. And like I can like kind of have a conversation, I would say. A simple one but it's just like the idea like i booked an hour and i'm like god why did i book an hour instead of half an hour like it's going to be so hard and exhausting and uh scary and it's just like that speaking another language is, is such a mental hurdle like it's it really is i feel like it takes this like kind of uh courage in a way because it's you feel so incapacitated and it's like there's there's something like deeply disturbing about not being able to express yourself clearly and swiftly yeah where, where is the anxiety coming from just like i'm gonna look like an idiot in front of this person or i guess with, so yeah even though that's completely irrational mm-hmm. um it's less that i don't think she's gonna think i'm i guess the mostly the anxiety for me is is around like can i speak spanish for an hour without just getting totally wiped out because like so much of my vocabulary is is really has, has is rusty so I'm, i've forgotten tons of that so it's like it feels like it might be hard to, to fill the time, it's, it's, which is funny because there's no like it, there's nothing that says like you have to speak Spanish the whole time. Like if it's if it's too much, we could switch to English. That's fine. She speaks English. Uh, but I was thinking like, oh, like maybe we'll like get my like Anki set up and like load some decks in there and talk about strategy for getting where I want to be by October and whatnot. So it's it's all in my head. I'm sure it'll be great. Actually, I'll probably have a really fun time. Mm-hmm. But right mm-hmm. now my my irrational brain is kind of freaking out <laughs> just another coaching opportunity <laughs> As, yes exactly yeah because yep. there are so many like methods that i've heard around this and i've not learned a foreign language so i can't speak to any of them but like i have one friend who's he's learning french and he's been doing this for a long time more of just kind of a casual thing and he just like listens to french podcasts and he'll just like listen to the same audio over and over again and gradually like stuff will kind of come fuzzily into view which is Mm -hmm. like the complete opposite of like the the experience i had of like taking foreign language class in high school where it's like very much like start with the grammar start with the structure do all this you know kind of as if you're learning it as your first language which doesn't or even that's not how we even learn our first language learn our first language by listening to our people around us talking right yeah totally so, i i've yeah. read some some i don't know what what is like sort of considered the state of the art in language acquisition these days but i have read some pretty compelling guides saying like that approach of like 
learn all those verb conjugations, learn all the tenses and, and all that is, is a bit, is not optimal. It's like better to learn it a bit more in context because your, your brain is wired to figure out the grammar as you go. Um, so like if you have good example sentences from native speakers where the grammar is correct, you will eventually intuit the correct grammar just like you did the first time. Like once you, once you hit a certain age, you, you no longer make certain verb conjugation mistakes because you just have heard the correct version so many times and you have never heard the wrong version. And so eventually you're just go, Oh, that just sounds wrong now. Like you would never say, I go to this, like, you know, you just wouldn't, you just wouldn't mess it up anymore. So a lot of it is by feel. It's not irrational. Like you're not filtering it through this, like equation that you're building in your head every time. It has to be more of like your brain just knows what to do. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. by feel. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But we'll see what Eugenia tells me to do. Yeah. Well, hopefully Eugenia can give you some, yeah, some like tips on whether it's like listening to a bunch of Spanish leading up to it or something, whatever, I, you know, whatever. The I hope is. she has some tips because because <laughs> <laughs> you're if, paying. <laughs> if this professional full-time Spanish teacher doesn't have some tips on learning Spanish, I'm going to be really disappointed. Yes. <laughs> You'll have to leave a bad Yelp review in that case. Exactly. <laughs> In Spanish, which except it'll be terrible Spanish because she won't have helped me at all. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. Cool. All right. Well. Well. Good chatting. Good chatting with you too. Yeah. Yeah. Notes of the show. Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya.